I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. So you're teaching a class specifically geared for beginners right now, yeah? Yeah, it's my favorite one to teach. Oh my goodness. There's nothing better than seeing a student who hasn't had much experience with yoga come up out of Shavasana, that closing meditation. Bright, clear eyes and just having had this whole new experience. It is such a joy for me to teach this class to new beginners because I get to share what I love about yoga and make it accessible to everyone and anyone and offer them that yoga is for them. Um, I get a lot of questions before people sign up for this class. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm not flexible and I'm older or I have certain limitations in, in my body related to injuries. This class is for them. This class is for absolutely everybody. It is such a joy to see them come up out of Shavasana at the end of class, their closing meditation and see their face and it's just like they're waking up again from a deep sleep or a beautiful journey and to see the softness in their face and you know hear their exhales like and they're you know they're just transformed i agree it's so humbling to see so many people coming and taking time away from their busy schedule to take care of themselves to take time for them. Absolutely. It's and so brave. I remember when I took my very first yoga class, I was very intimidated. I didn't know exactly what to do. Like even the idea that you leave your shoes at the door. Like I didn't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. And somebody told me, oh, you should take off your shoes. I was like, oh, okay. And so there's these things that we take for granted in yoga where we might've been practicing for a while that if people don't have that experience, they might not know. And I remember for myself how intimidating it was and, you know, not knowing where to put my mat and everyone seemed to know what they were doing, which they probably didn't, but this was just the story I was telling myself, you know, fumbling through or looking at what other people were doing. And I had some really beautiful teachers when I first started yoga that really made the experience for me. Um, They made yoga accessible for me and made it okay for me to be in there where I felt like I belonged. Having some of that fear or anxiety around a new experience was soothed by some really great teachers. Mm -hmm. So how about you? Well, that's an important remembrance because after so many years of practicing, we can take the experience of walking into a yoga room for granted. And for us, it might feel like this very safe, welcoming place. But at this time of year, with so many new people 
coming into the studios, it isn't the case for everyone. And your story reminded me of the first times going to different studios in San Diego. That's where I lived when I first went to yoga. And the studios smelled unfamiliar and the music was so unfamiliar. And I hadn't had any kind of spirituality really in my life preceding that. So for a lot of us, and, and for me, especially feeling as anxious as I did, the unfamiliarity of a studio felt scary and and it made me quite nervous. And so it's a good remembrance to have as a teacher, even though the idea is you come into a yoga room and you leave your life behind and it's time to just completely relax. It can be confronting for a lot of us. And you also mentioned some of the worries that new students can have when they come to a yoga practice for the first time. And I hear that one a lot too. Well, I'm not flexible. And the answer to that is that that's why we do yoga though, because it, it helps us to become flexible. I was never uh, a naturally flexible student. I was coming off of years of pushing my body really, really hard as a runner and never taking the time to stretch. So any amount of flexibility that I have in my body is through this practice. It's not something that I had to have in order to do this practice. I didn't have to be strong. I didn't have to be flexible. It all came through this practice. So it's a good reminder that you don't have to be good at yoga in order to begin a yoga practice. Yeah, and I I heard that. I had teachers say that to me, and I still didn't believe them. I heard that yoga is for everybody, and I heard that you don't have to be flexible to do yoga, and this is why we do yoga. And I still could not internalize that for myself. Um, I had to have that direct experience. I had to overcome fear and anxiety of a new, of some, trying something new. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about the, the first time I heard chanting in a, in a class and how freaked out I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know the words, you know, I couldn't even really hum along cause I had no idea what they were talking about. And, and it was, it was a little unnerving the first time I heard chanting. And now I love Cartan and I love chanting and I love singing in class. And I get such peace from those practices. But I can remember how unnerving it was the first time the class all came to the top. It was an Ashtanga class and they all came to the top of their mat and they all knew the opening chant and they were all chanting it. And I was just like, oh boy, I don't, you know, like what is happening? And when you talked about flexibility, that's re- that reminded me of that too, because it made me be a little more flexible just to experience it. Like just to stand there at the top of my mat, not knowing the chant to stay there while they chanted and listen and just let that experience of those chanting around me, you know, come into me. And to be flexible and not judgy and not judging myself or judging those around me, but just to let that experience occur around me when I didn't, I wasn't good at it at all. (laughs) And that was forcing some flexibility on my part too, not just in my body, but in my mind to just allow the experience to happen and, and see what happened. I can relate. Absolutely. 
uh, when I first came to yoga, it was in an Anusara studio. And before every class, before every Anusara class, there was a specific invocation that was chanted. And we did have handouts of the words and then what the words meant in English, which helped a little bit. But mm-hmm. same thing, it felt so strange to me and it did make me feel uncomfortable because it was so unfamiliar. And it reminds me of the way we do one thing is almost like the way we do everything and the triggers that we have because it does tend to trigger that, oh, I'm not part of the group here. I don't, I don't know if I really belong because I don't know what everybody else knows. That Those are the thoughts that come. And then if you have any level of a competitive streak, at first that can come out. I remember in the first few days being on the mat when the teacher would offer different options for postures and I would always want to go for whatever the quote-unquote strongest option was even if it wasn't that great for me. And I learned pretty quickly not to do that. And now I'm the one who isn't. (laughs) Now now I'm the one in the class who isn't choosing that. But that was what I did for the first couple of years until I ended up injuring myself. That's kind of the communication that I needed to get from my body to say, you know, you need to listen a little bit more and you need to slow down and not have to try to be so good at everything that you do. And at that time, I was still very dissociated from my body, meaning disconnected from my body. I've talked before on episode two, and I was sharing the story of living with disordered anxiety, how it felt like living in my body was living in a really scary place, like a ticking time bomb. So I think that I had cut myself off from my body. So one of the reasons I think that I chose those stronger poses is because I was feeling something. And even though I still wasn't listening to my body, yoga taught me how to do it because I didn't understand the need to. Clearly, I had just cut off communication because I wasn't seeing my body as anything kind, as anything that I could feel friendly with or see as anything that I felt love towards. So injuring myself, it was almost like it taught me how to communicate with my body, how to listen to the messages from my body. Yeah, it it really brought so many more things to me, so many more exercises that weren't necessarily physical, um, but exercises of the mind and of emotions and healing um, past traumas and things I had no idea were going to happen. You know, I went there for a a workout and, you know, as they say, it was a work in, but Mm -hmm. that's why I really enjoy this new beginners class because I, I like facilitating all the things that yoga has brought to me, all the gifts, all the healing, you know, it's just such a pleasure for me to be able to maybe offer that to my new beginner students. Yeah, that's the entire reason right there wrapped up in a bow, just to be able to share the gifts of yoga, the gifts that it's given me in my life, to be able to somehow honor the practice by passing it along. It is it is a huge honor, and it is so humbling to see how many people are coming and making time for themselves. We talked about in a previous episode about some of the transforming 
properties of yoga and what ended up hooking us when it came to a practice. There can be a moment on the mat when you're a beginner where something happens that hasn't happened before. And I guess you could call it transformational, but there tends to be that, that moment in our love story with yoga. What was yours when you were a beginner? Something that happened on the mat where you thought, this is different. I can remember in one of my first classes, it wasn't the very first class, um, but it was probably within the first month of practicing. I had spent many years keeping it all together. You know, that was my, that was my goal every day was to always keep it together, keep my life together, keep the finances together, keep going, keep, you know, keep it together. It wasn't encouraged in my life or my family to ever fall apart. It wasn't really allowed. And so I had been raised to always keep it together. And I had been practicing yoga for a short period of time, probably only a month. And I began to crack and I was in Shavasana and tears were just streaming down my face into my ears, you know, like (laughs) this puddle in my ears of tears. And I was so confused because I didn't, I just done yoga. Like I hadn't had a triggering conversation. I hadn't gotten in a fight. Like I wasn't sad when I came to class that I didn't feel, I didn't feel that I was overly sad about anything but I just started to cry and, and like cry, like to the point of like heaving, you know, like, like, you know, I'm in Shavasana and the room is not, the room is pretty quiet and I'm like sobbing and I have no idea what I'm sobbing about. Like I just, I, it was so confusing and, and it felt like it was coming from somewhere deep inside of me. and. I hadn't allowed myself to fall apart very often, if ever, in my life. And laying there on the mat, yoga just allowed me to fall apart a little bit. And it was allowed and encouraged and okay. And when Shavasana was over, you know, I was done crying and I felt this rejuvenation that I had released something. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea why I was crying. Um, But I felt a little, I felt very spent, um, very tired and exhausted, but in a good way. And I felt like I had been given, I had been given permission to allow all the parts of me to occur. And part of that was allowing myself to fall apart, even just for a few moments in Shavasana. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't, nobody really told me that was going to happen. Um, I've heard from others after the fact, oh yeah, I cry all the time in Shavasana. Isn't it great? And I was like, no, I had no idea that was going to occur. <laughs> but I walked out of the yoga studio feeling just slightly more expansive. Slightly. Not, I mean, I was still very confused. I still didn't really know why that had happened, but I knew that it had touched on something deeper 
in me than I had allowed myself to go. How did you continue that process? How did you figure out what was being released? I still don't know sometimes what is being released. I felt some subtle form of healing that was happening. And I felt closer to myself, just slightly, you know, that I was allowing parts of me to come to the surface that I had kept shoved down or hidden or blocked because it wasn't okay to feel your emotions and it wasn't okay to cry and it wasn't okay to ever fall apart. And you just get over things and you move on and you go to work and you, you know, do the things that you're supposed to do every day. And you don't ever allow yourself time and space to grieve or to be sad or to be angry or to be ugly. And I was starting to touch upon all those different parts subtly at first. There were shadows of of them, of those emotions or those parts of me. And just allowing myself to cry, you know, in Shavasana where I cried and I lived and the world didn't fall apart. I allowed myself to fall apart. It was okay. And the world didn't come to a screeching stop. And Mm -hmm. I had moments in yoga in the beginning where anger would come up. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ever allowed to really be angry either. That wasn't an invited part of me. I remember one time in yoga, it was in an Ashtanga class again, and I walked pretty early in the class. I got mad. I don't even know why I got mad. Like it, nothing, nobody said anything to me. It was silent. You know, it was a Mysore class, and, you know, the teachers in the room. Um, but you're doing your own practice and, and the teacher's there just to, you know, assist you or guide you or encourage you. And I got mad and I wanted out of that class because I was mad. It was triggering me because I wasn't familiar with anger. You know, I didn't, it wasn't an, an emotion that I really ever allowed myself to feel very much. And so I wanted to leave because it, I, it was uncomfortable to be angry. I don't, I wasn't angry about anything in particular. No, I don't know why I was angry, but I was angry. And I remember having this very clear thought that I was going to pick a fight with my teacher. (laughs) So I didn't have to ever go back to that class again because I didn't ever want to feel anger again. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Whoa, what is that? You know, like, you're going to pick a fight with your teacher so that you don't have to come back to this class again, so that you don't have to ever feel angry again. (laughs) Okay. Like there's something there that you might want to just observe. And I, I stayed in class and I didn't pick a fight with them. And, (laughs) but I got familiar with the emotion of anger and made friends with it and allowed anger to, come out more than I had in appropriate places and times. So yoga, yeah, yoga has allowed, when we talk about flexibility, you know, so much, there's so much focus maybe on flexibility in the body. But for me, yoga has, I'm still not very flexible at all in my body, but man, has yoga changed the flexibility of my mind and my emotions and allowed me to feel a whole broad spectrum of emotions that for a good portion of my life, I didn't ever feel before. 
I think a lot of women can relate to what you're saying about anger. I grew up being afraid of it and also thinking that it was an ugly and bad emotion. And I've thought to myself many times in my role as a mother, I don't want to be the angry mom. Mm -hmm. And so it just repressed and repressed and repressed. And I hear you saying that in a practice like yoga, it's allowed to make itself known and then you can commune with it in a safe place. That's wonderful. Yeah. You mentioned the anger that came up for you within your yoga practice and we mentioned the opportunity for processing emotions. So it might be helpful to talk about how we can do that. And in this case, specifically with anger, we know that when an emotion comes on, the tendency is to right away want to change it, especially if it's a negative emotion. We we don't want to feel anger. We'll resist it. And we might even not know that we're resisting it. We might even not realize that we're running away from that emotion because we're moving into numbing ourselves, just distracting ourselves, looking on the phone or eating something rather than feeling it. But I think it might be helpful to say that the first step in processing an emotion is actually to just acknowledge, oh, this this is the sensation, this is the emotion that I'm feeling in my body. And we've learned to get really somatic about that, as in notice the sensations rather than run from them or need them to change at all. And that's such a great way to separate ourselves for just long enough so that we can then use the emotion as a guide. An emotion isn't everything because sometimes they're not reliable. They're coming up for different reasons. But in the case of anger, I found it really helpful to ask myself, and I got this from the Buddhist teacher, Tara Brock. The question that she asks around anger is, okay, what needs do I have that aren't being met? So I'm curious, at that time when anger was making itself known to you, what needs were not getting met? When I feel anger or when I felt anger back then, I could identify with not being seen and not being heard um, in my own life, in my career, in my family life. I felt a disregard maybe for my thoughts, my needs, my ideas that begin to create a First, frustration was what I could identify first, and then anger, and then almost rage, (laughs) you know, that nobody's listening to me. And why not? Like, I'm important. You know, what I have to say is important, and what I feel is important, and my ideas are important. I was married before this marriage, before I married, before my current husband. I was in a previous marriage, and I felt that intensely throughout the marriage um, that I was not valuable, routinely my thoughts, ideas, emotions, needs, wants, whatever, were secondary to, or maybe not even secondary, maybe, you know, a couple more rungs down the list of importance. That took a long time to unearth that that's what I was feeling, that I was, that it was valid. I felt very confused in that marriage about what was real and what wasn't because I would be told you're wrong. Oh, that's not right. 
I don't know if I was ever told, oh, you're crazy, but that's how I felt. I had many years of trying to identify what was real first and then being really pissed off that I was treated in such a way. And that took a long time of allowing that anger to surface and move through me and honor it, repair the boundaries that I allowed to be crossed, um, that either I just didn't even have boundaries or I allowed other people to cross my boundaries with, you know, I had a disregard for myself as well. I think not being seen, not being heard, not being validated was a source of a lot of anger for me. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing that. And I can relate totally with not being seen, not being heard. And you and I both took some courses with Ashley Turner and something that she shared in her program was an antidote to this issue from another course that she took, Integrated Therapy. I can't quite remember the name of it, but she shared with us these good parent messages Meaning, in a perfect world, if we were to be launched out into our lives after our time spent with our parents, we would feel very secure in a few areas. We were supposed to look at these good parent messages and notice which ones we really felt secure in. A couple that I didn't feel that secure in were, I see you and I hear you. So the idea is, in order to heal the places where we don't feel that we're really tethered into that support, we've got to offer that to ourselves. But the fact that your yoga practice brought up anger that alerted you to the fact that you were angry about somehow not being seen and somehow not being heard, that's what we mean by processing. You got to the core, and that probably reminds you of something long ago. And then it's lifetime work. This is not something that's quick. But the antidote is to find an authentic way to offer that being seen and that being heard to ourselves. Some people would say mirror work is powerful for them. You know, actually looking in the mirror and I see you, I hear you, but offering ourselves those messages. And that's something else that we can do in the context of our yoga practice. You brought up processing and that, that feels very real to me that it was a process. It didn't occur overnight. It was surprising to me when it first showed up as anger because I wasn't used to feeling angry. You know, I was used to kind of shoving everything down below the surface and keeping it together and also invalidating my own feelings. You know, I wasn't validating my feelings. Nobody else was validating them. And then I certainly wasn't validating them for myself either. So processing was definitely a, a lengthy thing to occur with around anger. Oh, it's going to be a lifetime. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime a negative emotion comes up, that's what I'm, I've learned to ask myself, okay, what does, what does this remind me of? What's really going on? Because if something upsets me that's happening in my present moment, I know that it's pretty much being triggered by something that's already within me that I need to continue to heal with myself. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it was a safe place. It was a safe place where it was just me on my mat. You know, there was other students in the room, obviously, but it was just me on my mat, allowing things to flow through me without engaging with another person, maybe in a harmful way. 
but allowing things that had maybe stuck somewhere in my body or in my psyche or in my soul that were still there that needed to be processed or acknowledged stories that I had told myself my whole life of the way I was or the way other people were in my life or the way family was and acknowledging maybe those stories weren't necessarily true. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> and, and those, those were all realizations that I have had thanks to a yoga practice and a meditation practice. And it's just crazy to me still to think that yoga could do all that for me. All the gifts that it has given me have been mind blowing just because I decided one day I wanted to get fit. And so I went to a yoga studio and said, I'll take a class. Yeah. Having no idea what I was going to get in return. I went because my hamstrings were so tight, but the flexibility of the mind that comes with any renewed physical flexibility is amazing. I've also shared that I went for the first time because I had heard that yoga was good for stress and anxiety. And that moment on the mat for me that hooked me was subtle but I'll never forget it at the same time. For the first few couple of months of my practice, it wasn't easy. I, I can't even speak to what kept bringing me back day after day because I was sweating profusely. I'm, I probably didn't have the breath down. I'm sure that the breath was not long and deep yet, but there was a way that I felt afterwards that I don't even think I... I knew enough to even consider why I felt the way I felt, but it was somehow freer. It was somehow that feeling of working something out. So I felt a little bit more calm because in every other moment of my life, I felt activated, nervous that that feeling of bubbling up fear, you know, in the belly, butterflies in the stomach and tightness in the chest. I felt that all the time. And then after moving my body in these powerful ways, that went away. And, and now I believe that just all of that constriction needed to move and needed to be worked out. But there was a moment on the mat and it, I was in a standing pose and it was a crescent pose that that upright lunge posture, asymmetrical pose, one foot forward, one foot back, arms up in the air. And my teacher at the time had a really beautiful cue. And she would ask us to imagine that we could lean back into support. And up until that moment, most standing poses felt like a little bit of a struggle still. I, I had to work to retain my balance and it felt hard. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, this feeling of well-being washed over my entire body. And I felt like I could be in that posture forever without any effort at all. And it was just a split second moment, the moment that I realized, oh my goodness, the way I feel right now, I've never experienced this before. It, it passed. But there was a level of it that remained. 
and my mind just having a moment of complete and total well-being touched into a place that allowed me to go there as I continued a dedicated meditation and yoga practice. It allowed this potential for this opening of a state of mind that I had previously been unaware was possible. To live in a mind that is so chaotic and busy with worries and to live in a body that feels nervous and on edge constantly and then to have a moment where there's such steadiness and stillness and it felt in that moment that everything was going to be okay. It was the most soothed that I have ever been and I didn't know that that could happen without somebody else telling me that everything was going to be okay. To have that come in an individual experience, like a deeper knowing that everything was going to be okay, changed everything. It helped me to trust that and to tell myself that off the mat. So that was the moment that I realized that I didn't have to be afraid anymore. I hear you speaking about something that might be an inner resource, building your inner resource. I know for me, I heard people speak of this inner resource and I had no idea what they were talking about. You know, tapping into your inner resource. I knew what the word resource meant, but I thought it was something that you gathered or achieved. I didn't know that it was already within me to be able to tap into that inner resource at any given time, to be able to soothe myself or love myself or show myself compassion or to ground myself has been such a gift. I'm still learning that. I'm still learning about my inner resource. There are different ways to cultivate that, which are necessary for me. It's helpful for me to imagine a scene, a place that I create for myself in nature that I can go into in my mind's eye if I need rejuvenation. And I mentioned to you before that it helps me to personify a part of me that is loving and compassionate and wise that I can commune with when I don't feel that way. The inner resources that you're speaking about can be cultivated, which brings me to another way that we can look at renewal. And that's the Buddhist concept of beginner's mind. I think about this a lot and I practice this a lot. And I think the definition is something like meeting an endeavor or an activity or a situation completely and totally free of any preconceived notions or any expectations. So if you think about the way we view our life, we are not looking at things without expectations and without preconceived notions. In fact, quite the opposite. If I think about the way I look at my relationships and the items that I possess and so many different aspects of myself, it would be completely transformed if I could cultivate this idea of looking through a lens of childlike curiosity, of absolute wonder. And I thought we could maybe just talk about areas of our life and what that would look like if we looked at them through this lens. What do you think? Sure. What about you? Are there areas in your life that you feel like could use some freshening and what would happen? What would happen if you looked at them through a lens of zero expectation, 
zero preconceived notion about that activity, about that endeavor, about that aspect of you or someone else? What does that look like? So I mentioned earlier that I had spent many years keeping it all together, you know, not allowing myself to fall apart or not allowing myself to show emotions that were undesirable or what I thought of as unattractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have grandchildren that I spend a lot of time with. I see this idea of the beginner's mind so acutely in them. Everything is new to them. Everything is interesting to them. They are so untainted by judgment, stories, and experiences. Feelings for them are big and present and okay. When they are sad, they're sad and it's okay. And they haven't been exposed to the world that tells them to keep it together or it's not okay to cry or it's not okay to be angry. They have big feelings and it is such a joy to watch them have big feelings and watch emotion move through them like a river and they express it, then it's out to watch the rejuvenation in them and to learn from them. They're expressing themselves. They're expressing what's going on inside of them. They're so good at it. And I love that. I love being around them and watching them interact with the world or interact with each other and express themselves. And their feelings are very real and very authentic and not repressed. And I learned so much from them about how they honor that. It's just natural for them. You know, another way that I'm learning from them is through play. They feel joy. They express joy. They express love. They express interest. Every experience that they have is brand new right now because they're so young. You hear people talk about like the wonder of a child. It's a real thing. Like everything is so cool and so interesting and I have grown so much in my own emotions and in my own view of the world just by hanging out with them and being around them and watching them experience the world in a new way because everything's new. I'm having a very similar experience in a humorous way with our new puppy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, And it's on purpose. When I take her for a walk, Walks in the same area can feel like the same old, same old scenery and buildings. But when I walk with Bowie, seeing this new world through her eyes, it's so freshening and it's so enlivening just to notice her see a flower for the first time and walk up to it and want to check it out completely and take it in with all of her senses, seeing her see a rock for the first time or a bike rack, all of these things that I take for granted that are in my view every moment. And I'll just pass on by without looking at everything around me with that sense of wonder. She is inspiring me in a very similar way right now. It will transform what is a 20 minute walk outside to get some fresh air and maybe think about what I have to do later on and make sure she goes to the bathroom into this whole experience of noticing the environment in ways that I hadn't before. I love that. Going a step further and thinking about how 
things would change if I applied this idea of zero expectations and zero preconceived notions in different areas of my life. And last week, I got a little bit real about my feelings around my role as a mother. And I use this a lot, I have to say. I imagine, what if I, what if I was just encountering this relationship for the first time? And what if I could see her as brand new and there wasn't any baggage of any previous conflict before? I couldn't control that in her, but I could control that in me. And that helps me to feel so spacious. In fact, did you ever see the movie I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer? No, I, it's on my list to watch, but I haven't oh, watched it yet. I loved it. And it makes me think of what we're talking about because she's been gifted with this lens to see herself and to see the entire world in wonder. She doesn't take it for granted. What I'm thinking about is there's a scene where she's looking at her body in the mirror. And this could be another place where I could apply beginner's mind as well, looking at my body with out to those internalized preconceived notions that have come to me from the world regarding how the feminine form should look, right? Mm -hmm. What if I looked at myself without having all of those preconceptions and expectations? That would be an entirely different experience and make me feel very different. And so there, there is a scene where she's looking at herself like she's never seen such an amazing, wondrous being before. And that's the truth. If we stripped away a lot of the judgments that we have about this body, this body is remarkable. We know that. But how often are we thinking that or seeing that when we regard ourselves? Totally. Totally. I have, I have little moments where I think of the body, like how we don't have to like plug ourselves into the wall or it's just, I have little flickers of like, this is miraculous that my heart beats and I don't have to tell it to beat each time or my lungs breathe. I, I'm unaware of it for a lot of the time. And I just think all these billions of little things that happen in the body that we are not conscious of that keep us going every day without catastrophe a lot of the times, I, I, it just amazes me. It just absolutely amazes me. And like you said, we so often have negative talk towards our body or, or just really even unaware of what's going on in our body to talk to ourselves or to see ourselves as in this new light would just flip the script. Can you imagine how far you can go, as you say, seeing things in a new light? I know a little bit about your life. I've traveled and, and taught with you there in Columbus, and you've shared before that your path is recovery from, from burnout and how hard you've worked yourself and how much you've pushed yourself and how full your life is. And your life is still very full, Amy. And it is, yeah. that part hasn't changed. The, the things that you are doing with your life, the work that you have, the responsibilities that you have at work and with your family and the grandchildren that you take care of. So it's not that your schedule has necessarily changed, but it's the lens that you've viewed these responsibilities through. And how would the lens of zero preconceived notions shift some of what feels harder for you? 
Yeah, when I look, when I was in it, when I was burning myself out, I felt like I was on a, a train that was traveling 200 miles an hour towards I don't know where. Like you said, my schedule hasn't changed greatly, but the intention behind everything now is very thought out. I still have a very full schedule. I have a very full life. I work full time still in the hospital, but in a different manner. I work now in an environment that really supports me and nourishes me. So it's not like I blew everything up, but I just had to look at everything with a magnifying glass piece by piece to see what supported me. And if it didn't, it had to be edited. It had to be cut out. It had to be changed. I still teach yoga, you know, a number of evenings a week. You and I travel, we teach retreats and workshops, which are very fulfilling to me and nourishing to me and inspiring to me. So that's very necessary for me to incorporate in my life these opportunities to connect with people and share these practices. Which are in themselves renewing. I have to admit that I have to be very purposeful each day that I wake up to renew my thoughts, to renew myself, because I can succumb to a lot of the inner dialogue that doesn't feel very new. And that's why I think a lot of us can relate with living the same kind of day over and over again. It isn't true that we've ever been in the same situation moment to moment if we were living presently. The truth is that each moment is this ever freshening brand new experience that is full of possibility because our minds are playing habitual patterned tapes of thoughts that are just habits, we can feel like we're living the same old, same old day. And I can succumb to that. So I have to be very purposeful when I wake up to do some renewing practices. And I know you do too. I'd love for us to share a little bit of them here. When you wake up in the morning, what kind of habitual thoughts meet you? My habitual thoughts are not necessarily negative, but I can habitually fall into distraction or dullness. Like you said, going through the same day, day after day. That's a real thing for me that I work on constantly. I want to live in today. I want to live in this moment. I want to not miss anything anymore because I feel like I spent so many decades on that train going a thousand miles an hour and not seeing the scenery around me as it was flying by. So when I wake up, I want to intentionally slow everything down. I don't want to miss anything anymore. And that means editing distraction, not letting the time fly by and experience, really experiencing um, today. So when I wake up in the morning, I want to take 10 long deep breaths to be right now, right here, right in my body slowing things down, slowing the mind down so I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I have that practice that you and I have talked about and taught 
um, called Abhyanga, which is a self oil massage. And it's not just a self oil massage, but for me, it is a, it is a deep real time conversation of love and gratitude for my body right now, the way my body is right now, not the way I want it to be, not the way I perceive it to be, not the way it used to be, but showing love and gratitude for my body the way it is today, all the, all the things that come with it. <laughs> you know. So those are two of the things that I do daily in the morning to start my day to intentionally renew today. I had a student just just the other day in my new beginners class, you know, I asked them in a moment early on in the class to set an intention for their practice, their evening, their week, whatever is speaking to them, to set an intention of what they need right now. And after class, she came to me and she said, I never even thought of setting an intention that that was such a new concept for her. And in yoga, we talk about intentions all the time and, and it can seem old to us because we've heard it probably 6,000 times. And it was so inspiring for me to hear it from a new beginner that she had never really given that any thought and that setting an intention for her was such this cool concept instead of just going through life and living more in a reactive state, just reacting to the experiences or the people or the places, but to intentionally living that really resonated with me because I feel like that is the path that I'm on to intention. Everything I do, I want to have intention behind it. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't mean things aren't going to pop up and I'm going to have to react to something unexpected, but as often as I can to have intention behind my words my relationships, my experiences, my work, my day. And that's another practice that I try to incorporate in the morning. I've shared here that I don't, I start my day in silence. I don't listen to the radio. I don't turn on the TV. And I try to extend that silence as long as possible. And that's when I try to really get clear with my intention, whether it's for my day to day or things that I'm working on. Um, so having an intention behind my experiences is another one of my rejuvenating practices because it brings me back. It keeps me focused. Is this serving me? Is what I'm doing today or this month or what I'm planning, is it serving me or, or am I just going through the flow? And when I start to just go with the flow, I get lost and I'm back on that train going 200 miles an hour, missing the scenery as it goes by. Exactly. These practices help us to come back to the present moment and whether it be meditation or yoga, setting intentions, figuring out what's going on in our own mind and our environment. But that does have to be a purposeful practice. It's so challenging to live right here, right now. And that is the heart of my morning practice as well, because first thoughts in the morning might have a quality of lack to them like oh i don't i didn't get enough sleep again i woke up a little bit too late maybe i don't have enough time so i notice myself coming from a place right away when i wake up of not enough and 
I definitely need to hack into that. And the first thing that I do is a tool to become right here, right now. I have the window open when I sleep because I do happen to have a beautiful scenery out of my window. And so I just train my gaze on the trees out of my window. And I imagine I was seeing them for the first time, that sense of wonder. And that takes me out of the train and the habits and it moves me into right here. And then from that place is when I can move into an intention, is when I can move into reminding myself to breathe. And then I have to purposefully choose what I'm thinking. And it's a, it's a big part of my practice to choose love over fear because thoughts that come from that place of fear can be habitual. Well, what do I have to get done today in order to somehow measure up? So I'll take a moment and choose to purposefully think, what are, what's going right? Who do I love and what do I appreciate? I will write those down. That's a typical practice, but taking a moment into a journal and writing things down, writing down what I'm loving and what I'm appreciating, I can feel a shift in my body that moves me from feeling dull to starting to feel excited. and. Once I start to feel that, it's so much easier to move into the rest of my day from a place of appreciation, from a place of love. And then I do some practical kind of real world things in order to renew. Renewal is a huge part of my morning, in fact, and that can look like splashing my face with cold water. And I do that seven times, seven energy centers, seven times. And it's just a little thing, but it helps me to feel better. Uh, scraping the tongue, an Ayurvedic practice of renewal and detoxification. I do a practice that feels like a renewing action for my body where I'll light some uh, natural incense and I'll move around the house with beautiful music playing and I'll open up a window as well. It just feels as though I'm shifting any dull or stagnant energy. I want to do as many things as I can to create the optimal conditions for me to feel good and to feel present. And that's probably the central renewing practice of my life is over and over again, tethering myself to what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling and sensations in my body in order to live in the now. Because as I've mentioned, that moment is always renewing, is always freshening. And in that moment on the yoga mat, that's probably the first time that I had a profound taste of what it felt like to be fully embodied in the moment, feeling the feet on the ground, feeling air on skin, feeling all sensations in the body, and then trusting that place is enough so that you can rest into it and you don't have to jump out of it to accomplish something or jump out of it to worry about what you did the moment before. That's a central practice for me to do everything that I can to stay with where I'm at. And then, I, and then from that place, as you mentioned, we can be intentional. From that place, we can notice what emotions are coming up and notice the reactions that are coming up because we don't have to follow all of that. We can question all of that, but only from that place of presence. And, and then if we can add having a sense of wonder about what we're experiencing, 
That's so incredibly fulfilling. I love this idea of this childlike wonder and how we could harness that, you know, every day. Watch the animals around us, watch the babies around us, let them be our teachers. Absolutely. More babies, more animals. And if you're going into a, a yoga room and it's really packed and that, that somehow hits you as uncomfortable and people are getting in your space, just imagine how you feel after a practice and then multiply that by how many other people are in the class with you. And that's just going to have a ripple effect. Absolutely. All right. Love you, Amy. Love you too. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.